Hey, and welcome back to another episode of Spreading the Word. I'm your host, Paul Bizanti. Today I wanted to look at the example of Lazarus in the Gospel of John. You know, around Easter time we spend a lot of time focusing on the resurrection of Jesus, but there was another instance in Gospel where someone was brought back from the dead, and that's Lazarus. And there's a really interesting story here. So, without any further ado, let's jump right into it. Gospel of John, chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that the Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days and said to his disciples, Let's go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for if they see by this world's light, it is a person that walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews, who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. 
Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for it has been in there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out and his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. This passage is all about giving glory to God and glorifying his son. And it really sets the plans that the Pharisees had to kill Jesus into motion. We look at verse 8 and we see that there was already some uprising amongst the, the Jews to try and stone him. Uh, the, the disciples call out to him, but Rabbi, a short while ago the Jews tried to stone you and you're still going back to Judea? So that had already been established. And then following this verse in, in 47 to, to or 45 to 47, we see that the immediate reaction of the Pharisees and the chief priests is to really put into motion the, the plan to kill Jesus. So when we look at this passage, we need to understand that Jesus is going through with this in the full knowledge that this is going to uh, produce more animosity towards him from the Jewish community. The interesting thing here is that Jesus had an existing relationship with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It was a close one. There were personal feelings involved. We get that sense from the way this, this passage reads. And the, the first response that Jesus gives to hearing of Lazarus's illness isn't to pick up and immediately go tend to him. No, his first response is to sense that there's an opportunity being given him by God to glorify God and his ultimate plan. So knowing this opportunity and knowing that it has to be acted upon in God's will, Jesus waits two full days and follows through with God's will as opposed to the will of those around him who were saying that they should either go right now or not go at all. Uh, go right now if he's sick go tend to him if you're in danger in Judea don't go at all so Jesus puts aside the will of others around him and submits himself to God's will here multiple times later we hear that Martha and Mary say that Lazarus would never have died if Jesus had been there the crowd saw Jesus heal many people uh, this was something that was known about Jesus at the time. He was a great healer. He was a great teacher. This was, this was why there was such a following for him. And not to diminish that Jesus had power over sickness and the ability to heal, but this wasn't really new to the crowds anymore. They sort of took it for granted that he could do this sort of things. Well, Jesus was sensing this opportunity from God to glorify God fully. Uh, we've seen Jesus in, in other situations uh, demonstrate uh, command over, over weather and forgiveness of sins. And the last item that hadn't been demonstrated to the Jews was that 
Jesus actually had command over life and death itself. So Jesus tells his disciples that it's time to act on the opportunity to glorify God. Thomas, also called Didymus, uh, he gets uh, he gets a bad rap at times of being doubting Thomas, but we see here in verse 16 that he has uh, this amazing confession of faith. He seizes the opportunity God gives him and is willing to go all the way to glorify God. He says, let us go also that we may die with him, knowing that there's opposition in Judea. Thomas knows the danger that they just faced in Judea and is courageous and faithful enough to go along anyway, regardless of the danger that's being faced to him. And then that's a lesson we can all learn from. When Jesus gets to Bethany, uh, Lazarus had already been buried for four days. Mary and Martha are in the midst of customary uh, Jewish mourning. There were three days of very loud moaning, mourning and then followed by four days of loud mourning. So the, the little verse in here that we see about the Pharisees who were with Mary seeing her get up quickly and go tend to him, they were, they were accustomed to that being uh, a customary ritualistic period of mourning, and for her to get up suddenly would have been, uh, would have been a, a jolt to their system at least because it, it sort of flew in the face of, of tradition in the process of mourning. So after the three days of very loud mourning and four days of loud mourning, there, the next 30 days would be just your standard issue garden variety mourning period. Uh, when Jesus gets there, he assures Martha of the hope that we can all have. Martha is another Bible character that gets a bad rap for, uh, you know, working in the kitchen while Mary sits at Jesus's feet, and Martha didn't appreciate the fact that Jesus was with them. And here we see that she makes an amazing confession of faith in verse twenty-seven. Uh, she acknowledges that she does believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. Uh, not not a frequent thing we see in scripture and, and Martha is one of those that acknowledges that. We also see a touching example of Jesus's compassion here. He, he weeps and is, is deeply moved and troubled. Uh, some commenters say that it's not necessarily at the death of, death of Lazarus, but more so at the, the state of the world, at the, the state of the, the relationship that God's people have with him. But when Jesus gets to the tomb, Jesus takes action. Uh, and he doesn't do it without acknowledging God's overall plan here. He ties it all back to God's plan to reach his people with a message of love, forgiveness, and eternal life. Look at verse 41. He says, uh, When they took away the stone, Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Everything that Jesus is doing here, the the two days that he waited before going to Judea, the um, the purposeful delay, it was about a two-day journey from where they were to get there, caused everything to line up in such a fashion that the the, the common sense response of, Guys, Lazarus has been dead. He's been buried for four days. There's starting to be an odor. There's no way. Like, why Why do you want to see him? It doesn't make any sense. That, that common sense approach 
that, let's face it, we employ in our own lives when faced with a matter of faith. We are being shown here through Jesus that God has power over everything, even those things that just appear to be common sense to us. This passage is an amazing allegory into Christ's relationship with his church. God's people are sick and dying. Uh, Jesus' work is to bring glory to God and raise the dead and pull them out of their death and, and sin. Jesus loves us and shows more compassion and empathy for us than anyone else ever could have. And we're brought back to life from death in sin because of God's amazing work through Jesus. So I guess the, the major lessons I'd like to pull out of this passage is that this is an opportunity for God to be glorified through Jesus' act. And everything that Jesus does here is not for himself. It's not even for Martha or Mary or even, even Lazarus. That's, that's not the point of any of this. The, the overall importance of Lazarus living another 30 or 40 or 50 or even 100 years in the grand scheme of things doesn't make much of an impact. What makes an impact is that God's mastery over sin and death is displayed for everyone to see. So in your own life, what opportunities is God giving you for you to serve and glorify him? So I challenge you to, to pray to God today boldly to give you an opportunity to glorify him for something in a visible and public way that people around you can see. Acknowledge this opportunity at the outset, just like Jesus did. He acknowledges that it's for God's glory and not for him, not for Lazarus, not for Martha, not for Mary. It's for God's glory. Put aside your concern for yourself, like Thomas did in the beginning, uh, being willing to even die to glorify God. Uh, put aside your own fear of embarrassment or uh, shyness or, or what have you. Um, and, and be willing to, to glorify God in the face of whatever, whatever mild embarrassment you might suffer by giving God the glory in this situation. Uh, the next thing that Jesus does is he gives reason for hope in God, uh, forgiveness, where joy and peace comes from. Give, give a reason for what you're doing and base that in the hope you have in God. But despite the fact that this was all for God's glory and wasn't necessarily for Mary or Martha or Lazarus, Jesus is still compassionate. So when you're considering the opportunity that's in front of you, be compassionate and empathetic to the person you are witnessing or ministering to. This isn't bludgeoning them over the head with, I'm a child of God and you're not and God's more powerful than you. But tie it all back uh, to Jesus and his resurrection. So make sure that in whatever you're doing, in whatever opportunity God gives you, you're still being compassionate to the people that you're, you're ministering to uh, without compassion, without love. All of, all of this is, is worthless because that's what Jesus came to do, is to share the love of God. And then lastly, tie it all back into Jesus. This opportunity that you're praying for to give God glory for something is all tied into his total redemptive plan that that hinges on Jesus's sacrifice and resurrection. Um, think of the verse, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So 
if you're hearing about Jesus for the first time, or if you've heard about this whole Christianity thing, but you've never really given it much thought, then maybe this is your opportunity to dive into these things deeper. Maybe maybe what I've said today strikes a chord with you, or maybe it doesn't make any sense at all. Well, The ultimate thing is that you evaluate these things for yourself. You look into these things for yourself and and don't just take my words for it. Don't take the words of anyone you're just talking to for it, but wrestle with these things yourself. And if you're a Christian hearing this today, then, you know, really earnestly pray for an opportunity for God to give you today. I, I believe that he gives us opportunities every day, and it's really just a matter of us opening our eyes to what he's placed before us. Pay attention to the ways in which you're being called to, to serve and minister to others, and find a way to point towards God and, and Jesus in, in what you're doing. And I think you'll find that you'll be really blessed if you listen to that urging and calling in you. Well, everyone, thanks for joining us today. We'll have another episode next week. And um, if there's ever anything that you're looking into and, and you have questions, feel free to reach out to us. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're wherever you find this. Just reach out to us. We'd love to put you in touch with, you know, extra resources to help you in your personal walk or to to meet with you in your if you're in the Kitchener Waterloo area. We'd love to we'd love to connect and just get to know you. Thanks again. We'll catch you next time on Spreading the Word.